guys look so good. I love summertime so much. Everybody's got their, like, tropical attire. Just bring in, like, the smell of sunscreen, and we'll just live our best life right here, right now. <laughs> um, my name is Danielle. I am so thankful and honored to be up here speaking. Uh, Brennan did say that we are officially 18 years in today, um, which is so cool to think about, but I was thinking about a lot of life that we've lived together. We started dating in 1999, which, you know, it's like one year in the year, in the year 2000. But to my kids to say the 1900s of anything, you might as well just put us in like in the dirt. I mean, we're apparently so old. <laughs> but the 19th, a lot of life that we've gotten to be able to do together. And um, yeah, it's just cool. It's cool to be in this moment and um, get to serve alongside Brandon. Uh, I know that it's been said before, but they do honor and protect who speaks to you today. So I was quite surprised when they invited me to come and speak because if you know Brandon, he has like a laundry list of, of just stories that he may have shared without my consent. <laughs> and I feel like now's a good time to clarify a lot of those stories. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We're just going to read through the Song of Solomon today and just make it real awkward for everyone. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so whenever Cultivate Church planted, um, I was able to serve as the administrative pastor. I have a really thick background in all things admin, and so it just made sense. And if I'm going to be real honest, I was just so thankful that the Lord was allowing me to be used in the local church this way, that I could serve, cultivate with my admin backing. But as the church began to grow, the need for a C-team leader, a pastor, to come in took place. And, and I, I feel confident that the guys just looked around and kept looking and kept looking, and they landed with me. But now I get to serve as the directional pastor here. And that basically just means that for as much as you want, we get to go hand in hand, do life together. I get to ta uh, tag team in with a lot of our C-team leaders. And we get to go through your spiritual gifts. And that doesn't just apply here in the church, which I think there's no better place to serve than the church is in the local church, but also in your day-to-day -day life. And it's really cool, especially whenever, and I joke about it, about the Brandon's like just approaching. But when you have someone that um, sees something in you and they empower you and say no and you you start to see like a little bit it's so honoring and it's just like oh my gosh okay well you're just going to trust the Lord with it and when you have that happen to you you only want to do that with people that you have in front of you so it's been such a joy to be able to serve the Lord in this way and um, uh, I'm just so grateful for it how, how many in here um, have ever heard of the term yada? It's so fun to say. I just want to say like yada, but I, something tells me in the Hebrew origination of it, saying it with that much like I feel like it needs to be like a yada. That's it. But basically, we all know what knowledge is. Knowledge is just knowing something. Maybe it's through a book that you've read or a movie or a TikTok or something like that. But this is the actual, like, intimacy of knowing because you have experienced something. And so my joy is to be able to walk hand in hand with you and not just knowing what your spiritual gifts are, but for you to experience what that is. But I love even getting to see that in Scripture. And so we're going to talk about it today, about the knowing God on an intimate level, not just with our head knowledge. But before we do that, let's pray, and then we'll get started. 
Lord, we are just so grateful, Lord, for your word. All throughout scripture, we get to see your character. We get to see who you are. And we get to see how much you intend to have relationship with us. You literally have moved heaven and earth to do everything so we could be in relationship with you. And I ask God in this moment, in this experience, that we are able to see you and how you desire for us to have that intimate uh, knowledge with you. In Jesus' name, amen. What I love so much about his word is that it is we get to see God's character and how much he deeply desires to have a relationship with us. But if we're going to know God intimately, I've got three things that I'd love to share with you on how we get to yada God a little bit more. Everybody just say yada. I just feel like it's just like going to be the new thing to say, right? <laughs> no, probably not. Um, one way that we know that we get to experience different is, is that we know that he calls us. And I'm not talking like he's just calling us as children, which is an incredible calling that we get to be a part of. But he's actually calling us in partnership with his kingdom, that he uses us. And we're going to get to read in Elijah uh, about Elijah in 1 Kings but before I do, I want to kind of just give a little setup with old Elijah. Elijah was a prophet of God, and not like this like fortune teller type prophet where he just knew what was going to happen, but he was the prophet that was making sure that the, the children of Israel were always going back to God because they have a tendency, you'll see it all throughout Scripture, of where they're falling strong after the Lord, and then they'll turn their back. And insert Baal who is this God that all of the Canaanites have decided that they're going to worship. And, and poor old Elijah, like his job is to call out idolatry and injustice. He's challenging Israel to repent. Like he's not typically the most popular person. How many in here are, okay, you don't have to raise your hand for this because that's a lot of telling on everybody, but have been a part of someone, having someone call something out in you. It does not feel good, but it equally does not feel good to be the person that has to call something out in someone. And so that's, if we could just put our place ourselves in Elijah's place and we'll say, like, he's just not a popular guy and he has an arch nemesis. His name is King Ahab and King Ahab is married to Jezebel. And you just know by the name, like, it's intense, Jezebel. She's all just worshiping all these false gods, and um, it's getting pretty, pretty heated between King Ahab and Elijah. And so basically, they just decide that three years into their, their original conversation, King Ahab and Elijah meet up. And Ahab says, is that really you, the troublemaker of Israel? And Elijah's like, no, you're the troublemaker. I'm not. It's you. It's your family. And you're just all refusing to, to just listen and follow after God. And so they kind of go back and forth. And then there ensues this great challenge. And you've got Elijah who's saying, why don't you just have all of Israel come? And we're going to have this big, big show off of, of this um, sacrifice, or not sacrifice, but to see the Lord call down and say, if you put your bull here, and I'm going to put my bull here, and we'll see who God, who's God answers. Quit your wavering, Israel. Who are you going to follow after? Are you going to follow after Baal? Fine. If, if he answers, that's who it is, and we'll worship Baal. But if, you're, if it's God, then we're going to decide to worship God. You've got 450 prophets of Baal standing here, and you have little old Elijah who is on his own. 
So Elijah says, bring two bulls. Y'all pick whichever one that you want, and we'll do the same thing for each bull. And so from morning until noon, all the prophets of um, Baal are just calling out, just losing their minds, asking for Baal to come, do anything. Like so much a little, a little like thunderbolt, not thunderbolt, lightning bolt, that's the thing. <laughs> like something to show that he's there. And Elijah's got this kind of attitude about him. It's like, well, maybe, maybe if you like just speak a little louder or, or maybe he's sleeping, maybe Baal's sleeping and that's why he's not answering. Or maybe he's, like, relieving himself, and that's why he's not answering. Like, he's got all of these, like, ideas of maybe if you just shout a little louder, maybe Bell will answer then. And so the prophets naturally are upset because Bell is not answering. And here enters Elijah. Elijah calls for the crowd to join around, and he prepares the altar because they've already torn it down. And they're getting this altar together, and he says, I want you to get four large, part, four large pots and fill them up with water. And so they do that. They get the four large pots, and three different times, they empty those pots over the water. Now, we know good and well, like water and fire, they don't mix, right? So it's kind of like an insult to injury. But in addition, they've been in a drought for three years. And so not only are they just pouring water, wasting water in their head, like this is a valuable resource that he's pulling in. And what I love is when Elijah prays, and we're going to read that. It will be on the screen for you. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 36 through 37. He says, at the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all that at this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, that you have brought them back to yourself. And immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up the water in the trench. And all the people saw it, and they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord, he is God. Immediately after he prayed, there's not any dancing around or, or having to bodily harm or anything like the other prophets have done. But he said he prayed, and his answer was in, in and an immediate, yes, I'm going to answer. So here comes this fire, even to where, the, I love the scripture where he says, the, even the water was licked on up. <laughs> There's just something about it. It just got me. So Bell's prophets are seized. They're all captured. They're killed. And um, everybody is bowing and saying, yes, it's the God of Israel is our God. And Elisha says, you know what, King Ahab? It's been a long day for you. You're going to need to get on back home. And so he's, he kind of gives this little heads up, and it's about to rain. Now, don't forget, they've been in a season of drought. So, the, rain, what are you even talking about? And I love that the next way that we know that we can know is that we know that he also equips us. So it's one thing to just know that he, is, that he will equip, but it's a different experience of intimately knowing him equip you. In 1 Kings 18, 45 through 46, it says, Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, Hurry up to Ahab and tell him, Climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. 
Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked up his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Y'all, I know, like, it's, it's cool to see how Elijah has, you know, basically, even when he was in the wilderness, was fed by a raven. Like, he's, he's seen miracle after miracle of the Lord take place. Fire has come down. Rain has come after he's prayed seven different times. But I just can't move past where he says he tucked his cloak in his belt and ran ahead of King Ahab's chariot. Now, just think about it. It's not a chariot. On, on foot here, we got, we got horses going. And here comes old Elijah tucking that cloak in, ready to go. And just, see ya, ready to go. And I know, like, I get it. It's fine if you don't have the mental. But I have been in Elijah's spot of needing to have some supernatural running strength. And I'm going to tell you about my experience with some supernatural. Clearly, I'm not the runner. It's just not my thing that I super-duper love. But one time, a few, I think it was probably about seven years ago, Isabella was six years old. I was six weeks postpartum with Shepherd, and our niece was getting, or she was doing a dance recital. So it was downtown Birmingham, and you know, now you've got like this beautiful parking situation. Well, then it was just real sketch, real sketch. And like, of course, I'm probably late or something, so I have to park like 12 miles. Not really, but it's a distance. It's a distance. And so we're, we're walking back to our car, and I see these, these people with a lot of guns. And I start to panic because that's what you would do if you see people with a lot of guns. And I'm not talking like little pistols. I mean, these are, I want to say, what is it, like an AR, AK, something like that. Like, I mean, it's the long ones. So I take Bella's hand, and I mean, we Go. I run from here to the high heavens. You talk about supernatural speed. <laughs> I'll never forget it because I was, I, you know, just had a little boy. And so I couldn't, like, pick that six-year-old up at the time. And, I mean, if you're, on an, if you're on a treadmill, think incline 15. Like, you are. So we make it to the car after weeping and gnashing of teeth of Isabella. And I'm praying in tongues. Like, it's this whole scary, terrifying moment. <laughs> I called Brandon. I said, Brandon, you're not even going to believe. Like, I don't know what's about to happen. This is so bad. Like, I'm just, like, barely able to even communicate. And he was like, hey, Danielle, there's a gun show. It's happening right now. (laughs) And all I remember is Isabella in the back seat saying, you mean we didn't have to run? (laughs) She was fuming. I will never forget that supernatural strength. So you might not have had that experience, but I can see it. And I'm like... You know, I, I, all, I too can uh, relate to Elijah there. But King Ahab, he makes us home to Jezebel. He tells Jezebel what's happening. All of her prophets have been killed. And sister is fuming that her prophets have been killed. And so she sends a nasty note to Elijah declaring, May the God strike me and even kill me by this time tomorrow if I have not killed you just as you have killed them. That's not the letter you want to get. Like, it's terrifying. And this is Elijah who's just seen miracle after miracle after miracle. So it's very easy to think Elijah's like, well, you know what? Like, the Lord's going to handle it. But do you know Elijah's response? I'm just, I see it. Like, I'm giving up. I'm going to go and I'm going to sleep under the tree. In fact, he asked God just to take him. And I think it's kind of comical because it's like the one prayer in Scripture that we see 
God not answering a prayer because Elijah really did not ever die. It's recorded later on that he was carried up in a chariot. And so God's like, not only am I not going to answer your prayer, like I'm going to double down and that's never going to happen for you. (laughs) Cue the Garth Brooks. Some of God's greatest gifts. There we go. Unanswered prayers. Y'all got it. (laughs) So the same prophet who saw the miracles take place and and just exhausted of of and just honestly disappointed that he has just worked and tried and he wants to connect the god the children of Israel with the god that loves them so much and i don't know what has happened in between the the big victor the victory of um the fire coming down and everybody worshiping but at this point Elijah feels very alone and he says just let me die i've had enough we've all had some of those moments, right? Where you say, we're just, we're done. Like, people are people. Let's just be honest. I, I love people. I love you. But people are people. And, the, and we all, all had those moments of just being frustrated and, and saying, I'm done. I also love that it was just such a simple reaction for him to go and just get some good rest and some good food. How many in here can just testify, like, a good sleep will do you good? Yes, yes. Hear me. If it, if sometimes it doesn't have to be anything super spiritual, it could just be a good nap, a good Sabbath, a good rest day, and some good food to take care of you. But what I love so much is that we see that it's not just this experience of knowing that God cares, because we all know that God cares. We hear that all the time. It's you know everywhere, anything, and but we know that yada, that experience of God caring. It's easy for us to forget, but it's important for you to remember and go back and say, Lord, I know that this is what you've done in my life. I may not see it right now, but I know that you care. Brandon and I, I'm not trying to get it here. Okay. So um, we've been going through the past few um, weeks, months of long suffering with Brandon's father. And, he, and let me just say, thank you guys. Really, I know Pastor Frankie said it a few weeks or said it last Sunday about how well that you have loved us through that. But it's been such a process of saying goodbye to Brandon's dad. But also like that overwhelmingly goodness of care from God and from his people in our life. Like what a gift it is. It's one thing whenever you're walking and you get to experience the good of maybe like a baby, something exciting happening, a new job. But when you're walking in grief with someone and you're just linking arms and you get to do that together, gosh, that is a that is a testimony of goodness of God and his care that he cares for you. It is it is not a head knowledge. It is a felt intimacy with the Lord. I love um, this conversation that Elijah and God have back and forth in um, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 10 through 13. It'll be on the screen. Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. 
Elijah stood there. He wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Like, that's such a tender. I've heard you. I've heard you, Elijah. But what are you doing here? See, there was still some purpose. Like, God could have very well have taken Elijah on at that moment. But Elijah, still here, still had purpose in his life. In fact, he didn't know this, but there were 7,000 other people that needed him because they had not bowed down and worshiped Baal. But Elijah didn't know that. And how many of us can get into a place where we think, well, it's just me. Like, I'm, it's, just, it's just, I've got no purpose. This is it. And then there's 7,000 people that you don't know that you are going to have influence over in their life. Elijah witnessed miracle after miracle. You know, he felt threatened. He felt defeated. Sure, like nobody wants to get a nasty note from Jezebel. But there was not one moment in Elijah's life where the Lord was not there speaking to him. And that's what, to me, is so beautiful about the scripture, is that it is a beautiful um, uh, uh, reality of where God is just saying, I don't want you just to know about me. I want you to know me. I want you to know that, I, that I'm calling you. I want you to know that I'm equipping you. And I want you to know that I care for you. I think it's incredible to see in the scripture where he prays. He says, answer me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are, are, are God and that you have brought them back to you. And it was at the beginning of, that, of, the, of the prayer that he prayed out loud for everyone that he said, God, prove that you're God. And then he said, and prove that I am your prophet and that I'm doing exactly what you asked me to do. But it was at the moment when he said, answer me so these people will know that you, O oh God, are the God that's bringing them back to you. Immediately he answered. It could have been prove that you're God, but he didn't have to prove that he was God. He didn't have to prove that Elijah had anything. It was the heart behind his father of saying, I want relationship with you. And immediately the fire came down. You may be sitting in here and you may just be fully aware. You know you have that head knowledge that the Lord wants relationship with you. But it is that I hope you hear my heart in this today. That it is him wanting to have an experience with you intimately. And I'm not talking about here on a Sunday in an hour. I'm not talking about on just your drive. I'm talking morning until night, night until morning, that we are giving him every single thing that we have. And just to have that intentional, intimate relationship with the Lord. I've been serving the Lord. I was adding it up. Um, I... And I think it's 25 years that, I'll, that I've been following after Jesus. And I can't tell you of the times of, of seeing God call and equip and care for me. But I know that it's just getting started. Like there's not, there's not any point in this journey that I hope that I'm like, well, Lord, I just want to give up and be done. But I also understand it happens because you just get weary and tired. And so I'd love to just pray with you about experiencing God, not just that head knowledge, but also having the intimate relationship with the Lord. So if you'll just bow your head and close your eyes. (coughs) Maybe you're in here and you've always wondered about your calling and your purpose. And you're just understanding that it's really so much more Um, to life than just saying yes to Jesus, but that God wants to partner with you in his work. 
today's a great day to begin to understand that journey. Or maybe something shifted in your life and you sense the Lord stretching you and you're just terrified about what's on the other side. And you need a reminder that the Lord is equipping you in your obedience. Maybe you're frustrated because you're looking for God to show up in the wind and the earthquake or the fire. And he's wanting you to experience him in a new way. Maybe you're in here today heartbroken and weary because you've just been wounded by others and it's just easier to give up. But really, it's time to get up and get moving. Maybe you're in here and you have sat so long under the tree that you've forgotten that while you're still here on planet Earth that you have such a great purpose. Or maybe you're in here today and you don't know if you're even a born-again Christian. Or maybe that you've been following after Jesus, and, and, but you've not been living for him. And this is the moment the Holy Spirit is saying, come, I want to have a relationship with you. I want that Yada experience with you. And this is a moment that you can say yes. So we're going to pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that we get to see all throughout scripture, your character, who you are that it is a constant relationship with you. Lord, even going back to Genesis, when there was a, when, when the fall happened, your immediate response was to, to make a sacrifice so we could still have relationship with you. And through Jesus, that we're able to have relationship with you all the time. I know that there are people in this room that are in need of you because you've been doing, uh, they've been doing their own work and their own effort, but they need to know that they want, they need partnership with you. I know that there are people in this room that are sitting under the tree and looking and needing rest and just a good conversation with you. I know that there are people in here, Lord, that they have experienced you just like Elijah in the wind and the fire and the earthquake, but they need a whisper. They need a brand new from you. So I ask God that you do that right now. And for anyone listening right now that needs to say yes to Jesus, I pray that you see that this is the time where the Holy Spirit's calling. So we're going to say a simple prayer, and you can pray along with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son to die for me so I can be forgiven. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again, and I confess you, Jesus Christ, as my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.